I want to ask you this morning, and obviously it's this time of year, right? And I asked you earlier, everybody ready for Christmas? I'm going to stand on this side a lot. There's a Christmas tree over here, so my wife's got to look at me and make sure I'm saying things right. She gives me that look when things aren't going right. But Now, I, uh, are you ready for Christmas? You know, you got your shopping. Are you really ready for Christmas? Everybody say, no, 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 yeah, no, yeah. Well, I want to ask you today, if I would ask, what is Christmas about? Right? That's what it's about ultimately. But, but many would say, well, you know, and, and we, we, we can't get away from it. I mean, I've seen people walk around giving out cards, and that's great. But to a lot of people, it's a time to find these most beautiful cards and they send them out and such heartwarming, you know, by a fire in a log cabin with the Christmas. You know, I just want to drink a cup of coffee and stay there for a while, you know, and just gaze at the card. You know, I, I like those kind of things. So cards are good, but a lot of people, they literally look forward to that time of year of giving cards to people. And, and they look at that and, and uh, it, it's, a, it's a time for our family, right? A lot of family members come from way all over the country. I've got a brother that's going to come from Utah and be with us this year. So I'm looking forward to being with family. So we think of Christmas and we think of the cards and we think of the family. And, and uh, we, we also, we, a lot of people during Christmas time, it's a difficult time, isn't it? You're missing loved ones. I know David's missing his mama and all the memories that he shared over the Christmas time of family and now you have those loved ones that are gone and so be honest with you sometimes Christmas can be difficult for some people uh, to, to think of that and, and we need to pray for those people and encourage those people uh, I, I, it's almost hard to believe but it's very true a lot of people struggle with Christmas because of their lost loved ones and the hurt that they go through so Christmas to them could be a heartache uh, we have uh, a lot of people just, oh, man, I can't wait for all the parties. Man, our, our, our business, well, they have the biggest Christmas party, and you wouldn't believe all they do for the employees. And they just look, and I, I got it. Work is terrible, and you look for anything good out of work, right? So when they give you a big, nice Christmas party, you look for that all year long to have the big Christmas party. And, and so life is, a, our Christmas is a lot about parties it's a, a lot of time of reflecting and how we are thankful for what we have. Aren't we? we? We look at that and thankful for the blessings that we have and what we can do for one another. And, and I've heard people say that, well, you know what? I'm, I'm not going to get my kids much, but here's what we're going to do. We're going to take that money and we're going to buy some toys and stuff and give it to a family that can't afford it so much. And I thought, well, that would have, I know a guy used to do that every year. He'd take his kids. And they go to a family that didn't have so much. Just to show his kids who get stuff all year long, not all of them are quite as fortunate as you are. So it's a time for us to be thankful for what we have and what we can do and, and all the rest. So we're, we're looking at cards. We're looking at time with families, some with heartache, some with parties, uh, some uh, thankfulness. And it's a time, mostly they say, of giving, Right. Uh, we, we, we hide behind and we quote that verse, it's more blessed to give than receive. I'd rather give the gifts than to get one. Well, you're a liar. 
but no, you. <laughs> but it's a time of giving, right? We want to give for one another, and and uh, you know, I'll be honest with you. Sometimes it seems anymore that we just give just because we're supposed to give. That hurts me. To be honest with you. If I got to give just because I drew your name, I just soon take you out to supper or something. You know. I always like to put in a good thoughtful thing, something they'd really want or wanted to use. And I love to give as long as it's meaningful, as long as it has a a purpose. So we look at all that and we think of all those and there could be many more, uh, just a few that I came up with that that when we think of Christmas, we think of that, you know, some of them think of Black Friday, Christmas shopping, traffic. You know, you could go on and on and on about what Christmas is to a lot of people. But I I wanted to look at Scripture today. What is the very root, the very beginning of Christmas? We all know this about the birth of our Savior, right? The one who came, the one who was prophesied years, hundreds of years, 400 years before that he would come and die for the sins of the world. And he fulfilled all that. Uh, in the, in coming, God became man, born of a virgin, and 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 ro- and lived and grew up and died for the sins of the world. We know that's what Christmas is about, and we say that every Christmas, and we come in church every Christmas. But do you really know what that means? Do you really take that to heart? And we say it a lot, oh, keep the purpose in Christmas, keep Christ in Christmas. You know, we all got up in arms a few years ago when they wanted to put Xmas. Well, I'm still up in arms about it, to be honest with you. I'm not going to take Christ out of Christmas. But what does it really mean to have Christ in Christmas? What did it mean to the, to the original ones, the very first Christmas, what was Christmas to them? We're going to look at that some today, uh, and just to give you a, a brief rundown of it, we have Elizabeth. Now, Elizabeth is John the Baptist's mother. He was the forerunner of Jesus Christ, the one that would go before him and tell him that the Messiah, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Uh, Elizabeth was, was pregnant with child, and, and Mary came to visit her. And, and when Mary greeted Elizabeth, the child within Elizabeth, John the Baptist said he leaped for joy. Now, you women who have been pregnant, and I've, I've held my hand on my wife's belly and felt little kicks and love, but this leap sounds like he just was about ready to just come out whichever way he could. I mean, a big kick. You women that have had a child and had the privilege of having a child in your womb know what that's about. It talks about the child leaped with joy at the salutation of Mary. Uh, By the way, the first person to recognize Jesus, the Messiah, was an unborn child. Let that sink in. When these people want to talk about aborting children, and they're not even a child yet, they're not really of a human yet. Bible tells us very clearly just the opposite. That's not my message today. I won't get on that soapbox. But just think about that. The first person to recognize Jesus as Savior was an unborn child. But we see the praise of, of Elizabeth. We see the praise of, of Zechariah, Elizabeth's husband, John the Baptist's father. As, or we see the joy of Elizabeth. We see the praise of Zechariah's. Uh, in Luke chapter 1, 5, 
uh, 57 through 80 as he sang praises when he recognized uh, that, that God had given him a son and that the Messiah was come, the redeemer of the world. Uh, and, then, and then when Mary took uh, the baby Jesus to the temple, uh, when he was just a little, a few years old, and and this there was a man named Simeon. Well, these are key, uh, key characters in all of the birth of Christ and the fil- fulfillment of Christ. And uh, and you can look at write these names down. But Simeon, uh, here he was. He was looking for a Messiah. He was looking for a Redeemer. And when he saw Mary and he saw the child, he immediately recognized this is the Son of God. The one who would come to take away the sins of the world. What did, what did Simeon do? He broke out in song and praise and worship and song. I was telling David just a couple of weeks ago, our praise and worship is just as important as the message of how we worship God. And, and he would begin to worship. And as he was worshiping, here comes this other lady named Anna. And she joined right in with him in the praise and worship and song. And after the song was over, she began to prophesy of who the child was. You can read it. It's all right there in Luke chapter 1, 2, and 3. Look up those characters, the key characters that were involved in the birth of Christ. Uh, And you go to Matthew chapter 2, you see the uh, wise men who would come. It says, uh, where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east, and we have come to worship him. That's what Christmas is about. Worshiping him. All the cards are great, and, and all the parties, and the family, and all. But let me tell you, if you can get your card to be a, a card of worship to our Savior, if when you get with our families, and I'm not, oh, our family's great, we just do this. This is what we've always done. When our family comes together, my father reads uh, Luke chapter 2. And we sit around and sing praises to our God before we ever open a present. As families, we ought to come together and worship our Savior. That is the, the very basis of Christmas. All this other stuff that's developed by commercialism and the world. And, and, you know, Santa Claus, he's a neat guy, but he's not what Christmas is about. I hope there's no kids in here. <laughs> uh, it was interesting. It was great to me. We had Santa come yesterday and have breakfast with Santa. But you know what? Santa and Mrs. Claus explained to those boys and girls why Santa believed in Jesus Christ. That's what it's about. That's what our our point is. That's the whole thing about Christmas. So we've come to worship him. And now I want you to turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 1. We're going to look at verses 46 through 55. Uh, The one who knew exactly what was in her womb. The one that watched the, the young child grow to be the savior of the world was Mary, his mother. And when the angel Gabriel had come and explained to her, you're going to have a child. And they, you know, the story of how they, how am I going to have a child? I don't know a man. And, and he says, the Holy spirit has placed that child within you. And they have all that. And when, when Mary finally fully understands all that's going on here, Mary breaks out 
David in a song. And we're going to look at Mary's song this morning in, in Luke chapter 1, uh, verses 46 through 55. It's a song of worship of a Savior. Luke chapter 1, verse 46, beginning in verse 46. And Mary said, My soul doth magnify the Lord, and my spirit hath rejoiced in God my Savior. For he hath regarded the low estate of his handmaiden. For behold, from henceforth all generations shall call me blessed. For he that is mighty hath done to me great things, and holy is his name. Wow, do you see the worship and the prayer? Can you imagine now? I just had to stop there. I just had a neat thought. As Mary's singing this song of praise, she's singing it to the unborn child within her womb. And that child within her, you know, they say that you ought to talk to a child in the womb, that you ought to sing to the child in the womb. Could you imagine what Jesus was doing as his mother saying worship and praises to his name? Wow, what an awesome thought. What a comforting thing to the child in the, the womb. But not more than just comforting. She was lifting his name above her own. Oh, what a neat, neat, uh, neat thought. To the, thank you, Lord, for that. But as she's saying this thing, he said he, he's done great things and holy is his name. She went on to worship and said, And his mercy is on them that fear him from generation to generation. He has showed uh, strength in his arm. He has scattered the proud in the imagination of their hearts. He has put down the mighty from their seats and exalted them of low degree. He has filled the hungry with good things and the rich he has sent empty away. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spake to our fathers, to Abraham, and to his seed forever. Lord God, we thank you and praise you for the Savior who came, born of a child, that we worship him in spirit and truth. Father, as we just study your word and read your word this morning, we, we want to do it with a worshipful heart. We want to do it out of just sheer praise and joy and adoration for the truth of your word. And, and Lord, that, that truth is about the Lord, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who came as a child and died for the sins of the world. Lord, and we couldn't help ourselves. You reached down and helped us. We thank you and praise you for that today. Lord, give me the words to say as I proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. This passage of Scripture is called the, the Magnificent, and they've got a big Latin word that goes on after that, you know, but, but they've got a title for this prayer, Mary's Prayer, and, it, and it's, uh, it's all about Mary's great desire to magnify the Lord who is at this present time still in her womb to magnify the Lord uh, and not herself. Uh, she, she makes reference in these nine verses eight times, he hath. 
He has. He's done this. He's done, and you know, there's many people that put Mary up on this pedestal. I don't know where you get that. I don't know where they get that. Because Mary was very clear that I'm not it. Yes, the world's going to call me blessed, but not because of me, but because of what he has done in me. She made that very clear. She gave all the, the adoration and praise and glory to her Lord and Savior. Mary was one that says she was a, a righteous young teenage girl who was looking for the promised Messiah. She was looking for that. Now, as we study her prayer today, I want you to put yourself in Mary's shoes as it relates to you today. How do you view the Savior who came, who died for you? You've accepted him as your personal Savior. God's put his spirit within you. Do you see that? God put the baby within her womb. God's put his spirit within you. Do you magnify him? Do you glorify? Is it your purpose to just glorify his name, to lift his name up? This is what Mary did. So who was Mary? First of all, she was full of faith. If you look at Luke chapter 1, verse 45, uh, Elizabeth makes this claim about Mary. It says, blessed is she who believed, uh, for there will be fulfillment of those things which were told her from the Lord. Blessed is she who believed. Mary was a lady full of faith. Now, I said last week, it's not full of, oh, Mary had great faith. No, she was full of faith to the Lord and Savior, to the God who promised the Messiah to come. All her faith was in him, not her. So as I said last week, for some who may have missed it, it's not how great your faith is. You can have the faith of a mustard seed and move mountains. Mary's faith may have been little but the one she had the faith in was mighty we'll look at that in just a minute as how she viewed her faith but mary but elizabeth established this and told us about mary that mary was full of faith that she believed uh, and that she was saved through her faith see because mary was a righteous woman righteous young girl really teenage girl looking for a Messiah who had faith in a great God, uh, she, she, uh, she experienced the power of that great God. Y'all get that? You saw, Brother King, nothing's happening in my life. Things aren't going right. And I said, I want you to compare where you're at with where Mary's at. Well, nothing's happening, Greg. I haven't seen the Lord do this. Well, where's your faith? What are you putting your faith in? Your job? Your house? Your your whatever? If it's anything apart from your Lord, if it's anything apart from God, you're not going to see many great things. It says here that he's going to do the great things because she believed. Uh, he made, he did the great things. She experienced great things and the great power of God because she believed and was looking for the Messiah. Who was Mary? 
She was full of humility. Verse 48, for he hath regarded the low estate of his handmaiden. For he has regarded the low estate of his handmaiden. What does that mean? Mary was a poor girl. In, in reality or physically, she was a poor young girl. But I think Mary went further than that. I think Mary understood what is my low estate? It's when I understand that I need a Savior. That I can't do this on my There's no way that I could meet the demands of a holy God. I am low. I, 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 and that's the per, first part of salvation is to, to look and to acknowledge that I cannot do this. And I need a Savior. I need to look to Him. That's the first part, is to humble yourself. That's why a lot of people can't be saved, because they say, I don't need to humble myself. I can do this on my own. That's a lie of Satan. The truth is, you owe a debt you will never pay on your own. But Christ paid it for you. And I think Mary understood this. He's looked at the lowest state. She applied salvation first to herself of where she was spiritually in a very low estate. And he's looked down on my, the low estate of his hand, handmaiden, and he's blessed me beyond measure, is what Mary... So Mary was full of humility. Verse 49, Mary was full of gratitude. For he, hath, for he that is mighty hath done to me great things, and holy is his name. See, not only was God mindful of her, but he was also mighty for her and working for her behalf. You feel like God's mindful of you? I love that old song, when he was on the cross, I was on his mind. What mighty things he's done for me. What mighty great things he's done because I was on his mind. Each and every one of you is always on his mind. He wants to do great things in your life. He wants to do great things through you. Uh, what, are, you are you looking for that? Are you looking for him as Mary was? See, these are all aspects, I believe, of true worship. It's full of faith, full of humility. Humility? Humidity? Uh, humility, full of gratitude. When we come to worship, I believe this ought to be the attitude of our heart, uh, to be full of faith and believing that what God said he will do, uh, that he will perform all, and, and understanding who I am in his presence and be grateful for what he's done for me, the great things he's done for me. What's another attitude of our worship? Full from the grace of God. Verse 50, and his mercy is on them that fear him from generation to generation. See, what God did for Mary, he didn't just do for Mary. You understand, he did it for, too for the nation of Israel. He's done it for me and you from generation to generation. That includes us. His mercy is... Uh, Mary uh, acknowledges his mercy and his grace 
to her and his goodness to her. And now she's sort of switching gears and saying, and not only to me, but all of Israel. And not only all of Israel, but from generations to come. From now on, that includes me. That includes you. To understand the, 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 the fullness of his grace. Now Israel, at that time, this is important for you to understand. How many times did Israel fail the Lord? Turned their back on him? A bunch, didn't he? Over and over and over. And at this time, as a nation, Israel was not where they should be with God. They were in rebellion at the time that Jesus came. Remember, we just come out of 400 years of silence where God had really not done anything great in the nation of Israel because of their sin and disobedience. And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, here comes Gabriel and says, Hey, Mary, the Messiah has come. The promised Messiah has come. What can I learn from that? What, how can we apply that to ourselves? Back in Genesis, do you know God promised the Messiah? When he said I, he, will, he will bruise his head and he will bruise his heel, that was a prediction of a Messiah to come to take away the sins of the world. All the way back in Genesis, now this is about 4,000 years before Christ is born. God, and I don't you understand this, get this in your mind, God had a plan 4,000 years ago. Now Mary's telling how the plan is coming all together. How many times did Israel fall? Over and over. I don't, I don't have any idea. I don't know. It'd take a lot to count them, wouldn't it? Let me ask you, how many times have you fallen? How many times have you fallen short of what God really wanted for you? But the good news is, God's plan included my shortcomings. You ever thought about that? God's plan is so great. God's plan is so perfect that even my shortcomings couldn't disrupt what God has in store. Nothing I could do could stop God from performing what his plan and what he had promised to his people. No matter how far short Israel fell, God's plan included those falls. God's plan made the best of those falls and still fulfilled his promise, still fulfilled his plan to bring salvation. That's an awesome God to me. I know when I make a plan and things go wrong, a lot of times that plan just falls all apart and it never gets done. But now with God, his plan comes together no matter how far short we fall. No how much how far we we disobey him. God's mercy is on them that fear him from generation to generation. That was an awesome uh, revelation to me to understand that God fulfills his purpose despite despite dumb old Kenny. That's awesome. That he doesn't give up on me. He doesn't give up on the plan because I don't do things right. He who began a good, a good work in you will perform it. God's a God of not only second chances, third chances. God is a God of many chances to them who fear him and are called according to his purpose. 
Who was Mary? She was a lady that was uh, uh, full of faith, full of humanity, full of gratitude, full of God's grace, and full of hope. Verses 51 through 53, she, she continues her praise and says, He has showed strength in his arm. He has scattered the proud in the imaginations of their heart. He hath pulled down or put down the mighty from their seats and exalted them of low degree. He hath filled the hungry with good things. The rich he has sent away empty. See, the common people of that day were pretty hopeless. You remember they were under the, the rule of Rome. And if you were just a little person like Mary, didn't have much money, didn't have much stature in the community, there wasn't a whole lot you could do against the, the rule of Rome, the government of Rome. You were just under great tax taxes. You were under their rule of what they said you could and couldn't do. And she's, she's uh, just magnifying the Lord here. He says, he's taken this humble handmaiden and exalted me above even rulers of this world. That doesn't make she was... Uh, that she she single-handedly defeated them. Hey, God took her and put her in heavenly places. She saw the big picture. I mean, like us today, I mean, when you look at the TV or watch anything on TV today, you think, where in the world is going on in our world? Do you know God's got a plan? God's got a purpose. And God can exalt the low above the high. And that's what she's saying here. Uh, don't give up hope. God's got a plan, and it's all going to come together. God's got a plan, and even to defeat Satan. God's got that plan. It's really already happened at the cross. But it will all come together one day, and we have that hope. Like Mary, who looked for a Messiah and hoped in a Messiah to come to take away the sins of the world, we today, we look for a Messiah to come in the clouds, right? A Savior to come. And he won't be Messiah that time. He'll be the King of kings and the Lord of lords. But he's going to come back one day. Are you looking for it? Are you full of faith? Are you full of, of, of hope that he will do what he said, he will promise, he said he will do? See, we don't really understand, and the world doesn't really understand the thoughts of God. But as believers, we can, as His Holy Spirit directs us and gives us as that hope within us, as, as the hope that we see in Mary. Let us this Christmas, like Mary, magnify the Lord as we worship Him. And as you worship Him, be full of faith. As you worship, believe in his promises. Believe in what he says he will do. Have the faith not in yourself, but in the one that made the promise. Uh, be full of humility. Humility. I'm struggling with that today. See, we are not worthy of such grace and such mercy. Be full of gratitude of what he's done for you. Wow, we can learn a lot from Mary's little prayer, can't we? 
about true worship and how we come into the presence of a living God and worship him in spirit and truth. Be full from God's grace. Understand what is God's grace? God's riches, you can do the acrostic, G-R-A-C-E, God's riches at Christ's expense. Do you understand that? You don't deserve what God has given you. But because of Jesus Christ, God freely gives you all. We don't deserve it. We are being full of the grace, a full uh, understanding of what he has done for you on the cross. Be full of God's grace. Understanding we don't uh, deserve his mercy. And then finally, full of hope. Knowing he is working to fulfill his purpose to meet our need. You say, well, Brother Kenny, now you're going to get into that make it, claim it stuff, right? No. What's my need? What was Mary's need? A Savior. He worked his purpose and his plan to bring salvation to the world through a baby within a womb. Next week, we're going to talk a little more about the birth of Jesus. It'll be real short and brief. That's going to be my Christmas present. I've been going long the last few weeks, I know. And I'm done at four minutes till today. Next week will be shorter. Merry Christmas. All right? But as you worship him this year, this year, really try your best to worship him in spirit of truth, full of faith, full of understanding his mercy. You see what the, the prayer of Mary does for us today? Put yourself there as you worship the baby Jesus and the birth of our Savior. Father, we thank you for today. We thank you for your blessings to us. Lord, and Lord, we thank you most of all for your promises, for your plan that you fulfilled perfectly despite our failures. Lord God, we just praise you and thank you today for Jesus, the child who was born, that God became a man to die in my place, to give me all your glory, all your riches, at Christ's expense. Father, we, we, right now we can't even hardly comprehend that. But the best we can in our, our feeble bodies, Lord, we want to just praise you and thank you for all your goodness and your grace to us. As this year, as we focus to magnify our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.